It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by RealBlueSpruce.com. Welcome to the Creative Real Estate Podcast from RealBlueSpruce.com. I'm your host, DJ Scruggs, along with Adam Adams. Hi, Adam. How's it going? I am great, and I'm really excited because today we have Holly McCann here. Hi, Holly. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, we're really glad to have you on. Um, as, as you know, we, we talk about real uh, creative real estate investing, and you have done a lot of that kind of thing, so we're excited to hear what you can share with us on that. Uh, but before we get into that, why don't you just tell us a little bit more about who you are and how you got into this whole real estate game? Sure. And I am really excited to share with you it's really unusual, and I will say results not typical, but my first deal, I should say our first deal, because I did this with my husband, more him than me, was a creative deal. So Sweet. the beginning of our story happened um, when he was still in the corporate world working for home builders, and he had this epiphany, kind of like he, a dream almost. He told me one morning, oh my gosh, if we had optioned or bought that piece of land that my boss didn't want in Corona, California, we could have made 10 million bucks. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> what are you talking about? I had four kids, little kids. I'm in diapers and dealing with kids running around. I'm like, okay, whatever. He's like, I'm going to go look for some land. I'm like, okay, honey, you know, back to our little normal life. And, and were and, you working in real estate already or were you? No, no. I was a stay at home mom at that point. My, okay. rid, my origins were CPA. I got an accounting degree, MBA in finance, worked for that, doing that five years, was working tax seasons um, for some extra cash. But my focus was being a mom to my four kids, mm -hmm. stay at home mm -hmm. mommy and teaching aerobics. You know, maybe my energy, you know, I'm a little bit <laughs> hyper, so maybe you can believe that about me <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so um, he went out. I'll try to make a very long story, many years story short. He found a piece of land, he optioned it, and it was for about 20 acres. He wow. eventually mapped it for 73 single-family homes. Okay. I was like so shocked when he came home and said, oh, I got a piece of land under contract. I'm like, what? You know, I go, with what money? We don't have money, you know, lots of money. Oh, well, we're going to use our HELOC. I told him I'd pay $2.3 for the land, and we're going to put 1% down, so 23 grand. So we're going to go borrow that on a HELOC. Okay. Like, I'm just like, whatever. He kind of knew in his mind what he was doing. Wait, he was going to borrow the $2.3 or the 23 grand? No, we had to borrow the 23 grand, which was our earnest money deposit. Wow. So um, you literally just had. Just to get started. Yeah. You, we, you we literally had no cash into this. Yeah. I mean, we were doing fine financially, had his retirement account set up. We were just moving along, but we didn't have 23 grand cash in the bank account that we could just pull out and do that. So he locked and he went ahead and did um, engineering and mapping on it, hired engineers. It, it did cost several hundred thousand dollars. Through the course of, I want to say, three to four years, it mm. was um, in the city of Colton, California, which is next to Riverside. It got mm. annexed from the county to the city. It was very messy and complicated, but meanwhile, the market was going up. This was in the early 2000s. Mm. So here we are. Long story short, we could have made a lot more had we sold it the year before we did in um, 2005. But he thought the home builder was ripping him off and being greedy, which they probably were because he was used to being on that side of the table. We sold it in 2006. 
Uh, he doesn't like me sharing numbers, but I will just say it was a two comma payday. All right. <laughs> I'll say that, but that was our first deal. It was really sweet. And he wow. quit his corporate job and that launched us into real estate investing and house flipping. So how's that for a first um, story? Creative, no money deal down. <laughs> There's a lot That's more to awesome. it. That's awesome. That's so um, awesome. Yeah, it was good. Wow. So... So he didn't actually develop, I mean, he did sort of the initial, it sounds like engineering and platting and all that, but he didn't actually develop the property or you didn't. Correct. Um, We did have the orange grove that was costing the owners more as an orange grove um, than it was making them. It was a loss every year. It was more expensive to water it, maintain it, pick the oranges Mm -hmm. and sell them than it was for them, you know, to just probably let the trees die. So we did level all the orange trees and got it all ready for a builder to come in. It was done what's called rough grading. So Mm -hmm. we got it that far and then the builder took over. So just that actually leads me to a question. So it sounds like, was that the kind of the motivation for the seller? Like I got these orange trees, they're killing me. I just need to get out of this property or. They had it listed for sale in an inefficient kind of improper place. I don't remember where their broker had it listed. Maybe it was even in like in a residential MLS, but it wasn't with a land broker, which, you know, someone that was properly marketing it. It wasn't being efficiently properly marketed. So my husband saw it and scooped it up. So hooray for bad brokers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they were still happy. They, our eventual sale price, we rose from 2.3 million. I think we eventually purchased it like in the four or five million dollar price point. I don't remember exactly where it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they did really well. They were so happy to get all that money out of it. It was a win-win situation for sure. Awesome. And so, and you said this was 2005, you said it sold it. So you've been going another 12 years now, I guess, since then? Yeah. So after that, we made um, our best educated, informed decision that we could at the time. We knew the California market was crashing. So we sold that in 2006. In 2007, we'd done a bunch of due diligence and bought a condo project, an apartment project in Austin, Texas, that we planned to convert to condos. Um, We went in and we were renovating them to our Southern California higher end taste with granite countertops, new kitchen cabinets, stainless steel appliances, just really nice finishes throughout. Right. And people didn't buy them. The yeah. um, mortgage market, you know, the financing market for condos at the time kind of dried up. So that was a problem. And we were trying to sell condos in an apartment and rental style neighborhood. People would throw out their old furniture on the lawn and the neighboring you know, homes around there, like, okay, this is not going well. So that one went really badly. We learned a bunch of lessons, lost Mm -hmm. um, two commas there, and then came back to California (laughs) and said, let's start flipping houses one at a time. And um, in 2008, we bought our first house to flip um, from an auction with a hotel ballroom auction, which they were really popular then. Hundreds of people would show up. We'd have little paddles. You'd bid on things. And um, we bought our first 100 houses at auction with cash, some of our own cash, some of investor cash. And mm-hmm. some of my friends would be like, hey, do you take investors? You can see you're making money. I'm like, 
Um, yes, I do. And I would figure <laughs> out how to take investor money and do trust deeds and all of that. Let, and may that, I ask you one question about that? Sure. Did So you bought 100 houses at auction. Yes. Did you have like any proxy bidders or were you there for every single one of these? It, it's definitely a team sport. Mm-hmm. Some Very few of them were hotel-style auctions, and some were online through auction.com, I think is what it is. Is that right? It's been so many years. Mm-hmm. And most of them were what we call trustee sale at the courthouse steps. That's what it is in Southern California. You show up with your cashier's checks. You're the winning bidder. You get it. And if it burns down before you insure it, that's your problem. You get a one mm-hmm. slip of paper. You own it instantly. There's no escrow. There's no title insurance. There's no nothing. It's like the Wild West. So we had a team of people doing that. There was a someone at the auction, someone verifying that the house was standing and that it looked good and peeking through the windows or, you know, if it was available to be walked through, you know, doing that. And then my husband would be on the computer. I was both mostly doing admin and accounting work and finance since that was my background. So it was a, definitely a big team. Cool. Wow. So, so the next part of my story, which you know later leads to some more creative deals. Those are not creative deals. It's like you show up with your cash, you purchase the home, you rehab it, you're done. There's no creativity involved in any of that. But after the big hedge funds moved in in Southern California and were scooping up homes at often full market value or 90% of after repaired value, like, hey, us little flippers can't survive right. and, and right. compete with that. They just needed to buy rental homes and make 5% annual return on them, which was easy for them. So my husband turned to me and said, you know, you like to go make friends and be social and network, so go find us some houses. So I did. And the next hundred or so houses, you know, up to now, so it's been well over a hundred, I have purchased through networking. And hmm. many of those, I, I don't know how many, but quite a few, more than probably I would say at least 15 of those have been what we would call creative deals. So I would tell realtors, find me a house, I'll buy it with you, I'll resell it with you, and got lots of deals that way, got some from wholesalers. But one of my favorite deals, which I can tell you about, is I just got it last year. Oh, good. Once again, it's the power of networking. I got my license a couple of years ago so that I could be the agent selling high-end flips that we purchased through wholesalers, which we bought a few. So when we had one that was going to resell for $1.3 million, my husband turned to me and said, you're friendly and outgoing. Why don't you be the one to get the realtor license? Because then you can also do retail real estate, you know, because he's not there you go. more of an introvert. And I did. And I joined um, a local real estate office near where I live. The office is in San Clemente, California. And I remind my office mates, I usually see 10 of them a month. And I say, remember, I want ugly problem houses, you know, bring it to me. You can make money. You can represent me. Now I just offer it on the buy, not the sell, because Mm, our margins mm -hmm. have gotten so skinny. Right. So my buddy Hector called me up and said, Holly, this house I have in Anaheim Hills, she listed it with me, but she won't let anyone in to see it. I don't know what to do. I said, let me in. So he got me in there. Total hoarder house. Mm Mm-hmm. Their challenges and problems became my opportunities. 
it was a, a mother and daughter. The mother, I think, was 70, and the daughter was in her, maybe in her 40s. It's really hard to tell when someone's done a lot of math and they're missing their teeth and their skin looks really bad. They look older than they are. And they were telling me, oh, we love those house flipping shows on TV. And, and the daughter is like, yeah, I'm starting to do my own stuff. She had spray painted her shower with silver spray paint. Oh she God. had ripped up the floor upstairs on the second level. Like it's missing subfloor. I'm like, oh my gosh. When I had contractors, I'm like, be careful of where you step. It right. was such a disaster. So um, I offered her, they were asking, I want to say like 630. I thought it was worth 750 to 780 fixed up depending. Mm -hmm. And I offered her 550, but I said, I will close in as fast as um, you can, you know, do what you need to do and sign your paperwork. If you will leave the loan in place, Mm -hmm. they had thrashed their credit so much that um, it, it's not like they were going to do anything with getting um, a new mortgage. The mm-hmm. mother was about 70, had a reverse mortgage on it with a balance on it of about, um, I want to say about 490. And explain just real quick, what is a reverse mortgage for our listeners? What a great question. A reverse mortgage is something you can get when you are older and you don't have to make payments on it. I think you have to be 62. Do you guys know that one? I don't know off the top of my head. I do know that it's changed a couple times over the... Okay. But I don't know where it is now. Somewhere about that age. And I don't know if it varies state by state. I think it's put on by the same program as FHA. And so I think some of the um, parameters and requirements are similar to FHA. Anyway, reverse mortgage... Instead of her making a monthly payment, the monthly payment amount that would be um, payable then accrues and adds to the balance. So the balance of the mortgage goes up every month. And the reason it's good for older people is when they can't afford to be making payments on their fixed income, they still get to stay in their house. So it can so, be for a purchase. So they're essentially not they're not paying a mortgage, but they're right. they're sort of selling the house little by little. Is that yeah, yeah, that's the way I'm looking at The loan balance is going up every month. Okay. And these people didn't have money even like for food and electricity. They were spending it on drugs and other Ugh. things. And they were really excited about, um, I said, I can give you more money if you leave the loan in place while I renovate it and resell it than if I have to pay you cash. And of course, mm-hmm. more money was attracted to them. So mm-hmm. I was only out of pocket um, you know, my 550 purchase price less the loan amount. So maybe 65 grand, I'm thinking, is what I paid mm-hmm. um, cash. And then the loan remained in that borrower's name. And so is this technically a subject to deal? Is that? I would, yeah, I would call it a subject to deal. Yes. Okay. And not every title company and escrow company is okay with this. Thankfully, I had a long history with both the escrow and title, and they were fine with it. And the reason I say that is because I'm doing another one right now, and I've spent a week trying to open escrow with two different escrow companies, and they both just said, no, we can't do it. They're like mm-hmm. freaking out about the subject who deals. So it's good to kind of either have a network of people you can ask to find escrow and title company or whatever state you're in, if it's lawyers that close it or whatever, to make sure that someone can do it for you. So Yeah, and- defi- definitely not every, not every title company will do it. You have yeah. to kind of find the right one. It's a little so, outside the box. 
Yeah, and that's a good lesson. You know, if someone says no, just keep asking. You know, yeah, find I agree someone with else. That hundred percent. Yeah. Ask someone um, who is an experienced real estate investor, someone that you think is doing deals, and say, "Do you know who does, or do you know someone who would?" And you just keep going down that path. Mm-hmm. So I, I was a bit um, terrified when they took a long time to get themselves and all their stuff out, but they they did. And even though it's a total hoarder house, they cleaned out eighty percent to 85% of the junk. I was so excited. And we went now, ahead and, oh, go ahead. Now, um, with hoarder houses, sometimes you they're hiding uh, bigger issues underneath all that stuff. It, sometimes it's, you know, five, six feet tall and, and it's hiding, you know, mold or cracked walls or foundations or something like that. When they cleared out everything, did you find that there was more work than you expected? No, because I planned in my budget to completely remove and replace all the flooring uh, the drywall was in good enough shape for the most part so the flooring was getting done it was getting painted um, i did have a surprise in the shower when we pulled the tiles off nothing to do with the hoarding but mm-hmm. we could tell that there was um, termite damage in there so we had to properly treat and replace wood behind the shower tile and the the green board, if I'm calling that the right thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I call it green board, but everybody else these days is calling it blue board, I think. Oh, okay. Blue board and purple yeah. board. But, well, well I'm going to have some pink board to match green. my pink Right. Hat. There you go. <laughs> exactly. It'll, it'll match your hard hat. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and so did that, that particular deal, have you turned it now? Have you sold it? Yes, I did sell it. We sold it for $755,000. We purchased it in July and we sold it. We closed escrow around the 1st of December. So what does that give me? August, September, October. So five months. Hmm. And my return on investment was really good on this because I was out of pocket. My $65,000 to purchase it, plus it was about another $60,000 to renovate it. And I think I made... Uh, maybe seventy five thousand. So I'm thinking nice. I made about seventy five grand with out of pocket of one twenty. So that would be a um, a sixty two percent return. Boy, a, a and it was in only five months. Um, yeah, a gross return. Yeah, on an annualized basis. Annualize it. It was yeah. awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like score home run. I was so happy. Wow. So I got a similar one like that tied up um, once again from a realtor she's like oh this house needs a ton of work is it something you might want to look at I'm like yes it's a hoarder house it's in a town called cypress california um, it's in orange county i think not too far from disneyland for people that know where disneyland is mm-hmm. and it's going to be um, an even better deal because this one even though it's not a reverse mortgage the gentleman that's selling it said you know, I said, I can give you more money if you leave the loans in place. That's how I phrase it. I usually will say, I can give you price. You know, we'll just make up some numbers. Mm-hmm. For, I'll give you 400 um, cash, but I can give you 440 if you can leave the loan in place or 430 or something. That's just while I fix it. and flip it, you know, for ideally four months, it might be six months. And most of the time people will say, sure, I'll take that. Yeah, I mean, so I have a question about the the uh, agent part of the equation. You know, typically on a, a normal cash purchase, the agent is getting a commission, 
but you're coming in and kind of changing the the economics a little bit. Do you pay them up front or, you know, how do they react when you offer a, a, you know, a creative deal like this? They react with a big smile because I reassure them right up front. I'm going to make sure you're taken care of and you get your commission on the Anaheim Hills Hills deal. We did go through escrow and it went through my broker's office and that agent got paid his commission and the you know the broker got their split on this new one in cyprus this is more of an independent agent and i just told her i want to make this really simple for the seller i will pay you outside of escrow 10 grand well i mean i said what do you want she said I'd like 10 grand that would be great okay i'm gonna pay you outside of escrow just to make it simple because i don't want the seller to be confused with lots of fees so just be right. flexible but I have found that when I come through with my true desire to make a win-win situation for everyone, for a seller, for a realtor, and of course for me, that people can feel that. I'm not out to screw anyone. I want everyone to be happy, and I want that realtor to go find me more deals. If you hurt people and don't take care of them, it's going to come back to bite you, and you'll get yourself a reputation. Exactly. Well, um, this is great. Uh, thanks for sharing these deals with us, Holly. Um, before we let you go, can you tell us a little bit more about where people can find you online? Sure. And as you can tell, I have a lot to talk about. So if you want to hear <laughs> more of my stories and experiences from the creative deals to all kinds of crazy stuff, it's fun. I've got a website called hardhatholly.com. And there you can find a link to my podcast. My podcast is called Secrets to Real Estate Investing. And we talk about all kinds of real estate things. And you can find me on Facebook and YouTube as Hard Hat Holly. And I've got a great um, little free download at my website on hardhatholly.com that gives you guys some of the ideas that I have, um, ways and places I've found over 100 houses using no money on direct marketing. It's just going out and making friends and helping other people have success and make money. Well, I am definitely going to download that because I've been spending a lot on direct marketing lately. (laughs) Okay. Well, thanks again for coming on, Holly. And everyone, make sure you go check that out because um, I know I am. Well, thanks for having me. It's been really fun to to share. I love helping teach other people and how I love helping people make money, everyone. So awesome. And it sounds like it sounds like you have a lot of experience. So I think we'd like to bring you back to get a couple more of your creative deals as well. I would love to do that. Our people will call your people. (laughs) Our people will call your people. (laughs) Well, thanks for having me, guys. I wish you all the biggest success. Thanks, Holly. 